ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Security Insider podcast for ASIAL. And today we are joined by Chris Delaney, the Industrial Relations Advisor for the Australian Security Industry Association Limited. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, John. Good to be here. Now, Chris, today we are talking about the new casual regime and changes to casual employment laws. Can you give us a little bit of background to help kick this off? Yes, thanks, John. A lot of people would remember that uh, there were a couple of major cases uh, last year, Workpack versus Rosato, Workpack versus Scheme. And in those, the federal court essentially said that if somebody works regularly and systematically over a long period of time and has a real expectation of continuing employment, they should be considered to be a full-time or part-time employee. Now, the other issue relating to that is that uh, the court decided that they could get the 25% casual loading as well as accrued sick leave and annual leave. Now, the federal government attempted to resolve that. That failed. Uh, and more recently, through the uh, roundtable conferences, the federal government has introduced what they called the Industrial Relations Omnibus Bill, and that bill has now passed through Parliament and has some significant issues relating to casual employment. So that's the sort of background. That's where we are at the moment. Right. So perhaps you could start off by telling us a little bit about the kinds of changes that the federal government made to the Fair Work Act affecting how employees use sort of or employers use casuals. Sure. Look, um, we've had casual conversion clauses in awards for some time. And we need to to remember that. Um, But essentially, the industrial relations laws uh, were changed to ensure this double dipping didn't take place and that the relationship was properly defined. Now, what what the government has done is it's, uh, it's stated pretty clearly that the contract of employment is the most important part of determining whether a person is or is not a casual. And if the contract of employment um, says that there is no offer of uh, or firm commitment to advance continuing employment um, and or and or an agreed pattern of work, and the employee accepts that on the basis that they are a casual, then they are a casual. Yeah. This is a little different from what used to happen because what used to happen is it didn't matter whether you were told that you were a casual or not. It mattered whether you worked regularly and systematically. Now, under this new regime, you can work regularly and systematically, but provided that you're told you're a casual and you're paid as a casual, you are a casual. Right. So this then sort of uh, reverses some of the issues that we had before where – I mean, help me through this, people had thought that they were casuals and they'd elected to be employed as casual, but if they got regular and ongoing work, they weren't considered casual. Has this change to the legislation changed that? or? Yeah, look, it, it's changed a little. It hasn't changed a lot. Um, there are still opportunities for people to uh, seek to be um, permanent or permanent part-time if they have worked regularly and systematically over a 12-month period or at least in the very last six months of that 12-month period. So there are some checks and balances in the whole process, but the double-dipping 
opportunity is not going to exist. So uh, if, if somebody is deemed to be or accepts an offer of casual conversion, they won't get the 25% loading as well as accruing sick leave and annual leave. Right. So how does this affect the security industry? What does this look like in the context of what happens moving forward and what's been happening? Well, as you would appreciate, John, you know the security industry pretty well these days. Um, Nearly 53% of the people engaged in security are in on-demand work. They are casual employees. So a significant number of casuals in the industry. There have been... uh, Uh, a significant number of employers as well who've used casuals on a regular basis, regular and systematic. So what those employers are going to have to do is be very, very careful about having a contract, a written contract of employment, which clearly states that, uh, that there is no guarantee of continuing employment and no guarantee of regular and systematic work. That's the first thing that they have to do. They have to make sure that in that contract of employment, the employee has the opportunity to reject work whenever they choose to not be available for one reason or another. Um, And they must make it clear that there is a casual loading and what the casual loading is for. So the Security Services Industry Award 2010 and others in uh, relating to the security industry require casuals to be paid a 25% loading and most awards require that. So it should be clearly stated in the agreement, in the contract of employment, that 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 will be paid to the employee. Excuse me. Now, there there are some caveats in all of that, unfortunately. Um, Current employees who have been working regularly and systematically will have the opportunity to seek to be um, permanent or permanent part-time. And an employer will have to consider whether or not that offer, that that request uh, would be accepted or rejected. And they'll have to write to the employee within 21 days of, of the request being made and uh, let the employee know whether it's accepted or rejected and if it's been rejected, on what basis. And the legislation has um, has certain requirements for that. So okay. that, you know, for instance, there's no, uh, no knowledge that this uh, arrangement would continue the way it has in the past or there is knowledge that it will not continue as it has in the past, that sort of thing. Yep. So help me understand a little bit more clearly how that works. Let's say in this scenario, um, I have got a staff member. I have put in place with them a contract that clearly states that there is no expectation of ongoing work, that there is no expectation of regular work, and that they are being paid a 25% loading. But in reality, they are getting regular work, and it is on an ongoing basis. Are they still considered casual? And if they then say, hey, listen, I want to be permanent part-time, do I have the right to say no? Um, You only have the right to say no 
Well, first of all, they only have the right to ask to be permanent part-time if in the last six months of the 12-month period that they've been engaged, they have worked regularly and systematically. Right. So if that's the case, there is a right to, to make the request. If the employer... Uh, wants to reject that request, the grounds would have to be on the basis that that last six months of regular and systematic work is highly unlikely to continue. Yep. It may be that a contract is going to finish in, in short time. It may be that um, certain work is no longer available uh, and it's known that that work is no longer going to be available. So on the basis that the employer cannot guarantee reasonably that the regular and systematic work will continue, uh, then they, they can make that, uh, they can make that uh, uh, or knock back the request, I should say. Sure. Now, an employee then has the right to seek some kind of uh, remedy from the Fair Work Commission uh, if they believe that the employer has unreasonably rejected their request. Okay. So then let's just suppose for a moment that I, I, I'm i uh, a security company providing services where I, I think it is reasonable to say, yes, it, it looks like there probably will be ongoing regular and systematic work. Um, so I'm going to say, yes, you can become a, a permanent part-time employee. And I then explain to the employee, you, I would assume I then have to explain to the employee, but you realise that now means you're not going to get the 25% loading that you've been getting. You will get uh, leave entitlements and all the rest of it instead. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. And it, 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 it's an important part of the, that process that the employee understands what benefits they're going to achieve from becoming a permanent or permanent part-time employee. Yep. Uh, and and what losses they're going to incur in terms of the 25% loading. So your pay is going to go down by 25%, yep. but you are going to accrue sick leave and annual leave and, and have the other benefits that an employer, uh, an employee with full-time work or part-time work is entitled to. Yep. Okay. But, um, it means then that if I say yes, they can't then later on claim that they should have been getting the 25% loading because that's what they had been getting previously or anything like that. Yeah, and and that's why it's important to put these requests in writing uh, and any discussion that you may have with the employee documented properly so that it can't be said somewhere down the track that I didn't know or I thought I was going to get the 25% loading, or I didn't think I had to pay the sick leave and annual leave anymore, or, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Documentation is is paramount. Yep. Um, and ASIO members will know, uh, ad nauseum I say, there are three rules. Rule one, document everything. Rule two, document everything. And rule three is don't forget rules one and two. Yep. Fair enough. It makes sense. Um, so in the case of Skeen and some of these other cases that were going on earlier, let's say I have an employee who's working for me at the moment who is employed as casual. They had been getting regular and ongoing work for, say, the last five or six years. Um, and 
probably had an expectation that that would continue throughout that period. But I had clearly stipulated to them, no, you're casual. Here it shows on your payslip you're getting a 25% loading and in your contract it says you're casual. If today that employee decides, actually, I don't think I am. I think based on what I've heard in this podcast, I'm part-time permanent. Does the opportunity still exist for them to go back and say, actually, I, I want my loading or does that double dipping thing that we were talking about before, is that retroactive? Does that say, no, you can't do that? No, it's not retrospective. The right. only retrospectivity here is that the employee who has worked for the last 12 months yeah. uh, regularly and systematically with the last six months definitely regularly and sy- systematically, that employee has got the right to seek to be to be converted to full-time or part-time based on the number of hours they've regularly worked. Right. So as an employer who may have people in this situation, what do I now need to do moving forward to ensure that both the employee and myself get the best moving forward? The important thing is to look at your business and decide whether or not your business can can cope with a mix, a different mix of full-time, part-time and casual employment. Look at those casuals who have worked regularly and systematically over a period of time and look at the continuing work that they might have to do and decide whether or not they could be converted to full-time or part-time and that that would continue the way it has in the past. And quite frankly, if somebody's worked for six years that way, there's a very strong likelihood that's going to continue. So you could either wait for the employee to make a claim or under current um, award conditions, you could offer to the employee a full-time or part-time based on what they've, they've, they've done over that past period of time uh, and provide them with a letter that clearly indicates what they will gain and what they will lose, lose the 25% loading, gain the annual leave, sick leave, and give them the option to accept or reject your offer to convert them. Yeah. And if the... ASIL can assist with those sorts of letters and and what have you. Yeah, and we'll come to that in two seconds because that's important. But if, if an employee does absolutely have the right I'm assuming, to say, no, I don't want to be permanent part-time. I want to remain casual. And I'm assuming that organisations who have those staff, if they ask them to become permanent part-time and they say, no, I want to remain casual, can't then dismiss them and say, well, we don't have a position for you. Oh, no. No, it's it's their workplace right to decide whether or not they, they want to convert. And by exercising that workplace right, uh, it stops the employer from lawfully terminating their employment on that basis. And that, that would be an adverse action case and a very dangerous place for the employer to be. Yeah. So if an employee does decide that they don't want to accept an offer to become permanent part-time, the employer, I'm assuming, needs to have a very clearly documented uh, record of that conversation and the fact that they made the offer and the fact that the employee said, no, thanks, I'm happy being casual. Yeah, and look, that should be in writing. They should the, the letter that goes to offer conversion uh, should give the uh, the employee an opportunity to uh, indicate on that letter by return mail uh, whether they accept or reject it, and that they acknowledge and understand what they're accepting or rejecting, uh, 
uh, and signing that letter. Yep. That now, could be used at la- any later point. Yep. Now, for the small to medium-sized businesses out there who don't necessarily have a HR department and even some of the bigger businesses that do but are, are fairly smashed with their day-to-day runnings, what can ASIL do in, in the, all of this mix to help people navigate this stuff? Well, we can, we can certainly provide them with the documentation that they might need in offering or rejecting um, applications for, uh, for conversion. Uh, we can discuss with them the legalities of all of this. And look, I'm going to put one caveat on all of that. This is new law. And like all new law, it will be subject to test in a court at some point in time. And we need to sort of watch this space because if it does get tested, we will then know exactly how it, uh, how the, uh, the courts perceive this new legislation and its implementation. So it is new law. But uh, we can help people understand how it's rolled out and what it means to them, particularly in, in those areas where casual employment might be ad hoc. Yeah. Um, or, you know, on demand. That's right. Remember, there's about nine pages of, of, of uh, the legislation. Yeah. And uh, this, anybody who knows legislation reasonably well knows that it's complicated gobbledygook sometimes for people. That's okay. So just in closing, to help our listeners better understand where they're at with all of this, I remember at the time when we did a podcast, and for those people listening to this, you can go back and you can find that uh, we did a podcast with Chris towards the uh, middle of last year on Workpack versus Skeen and also the Risotto case, um, outlining the impact for the industry of this legislation. At the time when we discussed it, everyone was up in arms saying, this is crazy, this is insane, this is going to cause all sorts of grief for the security industry with this casual arrangement. How has this new legislation benefited the industry? Look, really the only change is uh, the elimination of the opportunity for a double dip. Yep. 25% and get sick leave and annual leave at the same time. And that's what Rosetto and Skeen were really all about. They were deemed to be employees. <clears throat> they were deemed to be full-time employees. And the court said, you can get your 25% loading and you can get sick leave and annual leave. Yep. And look, there were some different circumstances involved in all of that. The government tried to... to uh, introduced change to eliminate that situation through changes in regulation. It didn't work. This is supposed to provide some more certainty in the definition of what a casual is and to avoid the double dip. Yeah, okay. So if people want to speak to you, Chris, or if they want to find out more about this legislation change or even find some of the documentation that you were talking about before, where do they go? Well, they can come to me, ir at azil.com.au or contact Azil and and Azil will put them in contact with me by phone. I'm not always in the office these days with uh, working from home. Hardly anybody's in the office. So uh, uh, they can contact me through Azil. That's the best way. Fantastic. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, remember there is another podcast in this series that has looked specifically at those things. 
If you should like to find out more podcasts about this, you can find them on Blurberry, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, uh, and all of the great podcast locations. And we look forward to talking to you again on the next podcast.